Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Slovak Ancestry Podcast. The podcast about genealogy, family history and heritage. My name is Michal Razus and this podcast is created with the support of podcast industry. In today's episode, it's a big honor for me to welcome president of CGSI, Mr. Kevin Hurbanic. Kevin is the grandchild of the immigrants from the Western Slovakia and he was raised with a Slovak American influences in Chicago. He now lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he works as a software instructor. He uses a lot of, of his free time volunteering for the CGSI. He's helping to maintain and promote interest in Slovak and Czech family history. I know Kevin as a man with a great sense of humor and also the man of the great organization skills. His good mood and laugh are infectious and he is the one that can light the fire of interest in the hearts of other people. Hello. Dobre rano. Ah, dobre rano, Kevin. How are you but doing? It's not rano for you, but I, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fantastic. I am all set and ready to spend a nice conversation with you. If you are ready, I have a few questions for you and uh, we can start with uh, speaking about your roots and uh, what uh, enlightened uh, your interest in genealogy. And then maybe we can spend a couple of minutes uh, speaking about uh, CGSI and uh, its functions, roles and etc. Perfect. Okay, great. So how are you connected to Slovakia? Yeah, my uh, paternal grandparents, so my father's parents were both Slovak. My grandfather was born in uh, Sobotište near Senica, and my grandmother is from the same area, uh, but she was born in Chicago. And so I grew up in Chicago in a neighborhood with uh, Slovak and Slovak American culture. And uh, I, I always heard about Slovakia. And then I have been fortunate enough to visit a couple of times. So just growing up with it and it being a part of, of who I am because of my grandparents and my, my father. And do you know approximately when your ancestors left Slovakia or what were the reasons? I do. I, I have a lot of uh, information about my grandfather, who that's how I started out my um, genealogy research, because I was interested to find out When he came over, and it was 1929, so he was born in 1910, and so he was 19 when he came over in 1929. Uh, my grandmother is a couple years younger, and she, like I said, she was born in Chicago. Her parents had come over a couple years earlier, and then they went back to Slovakia uh, for her to go to school. And then when she finished school, they came back to Chicago. And that one I don't have as much information on. But as I was thinking about this interview, it made me think that I have a list of questions that I need to go back in and find the answers to. I see. Well, it looks like that uh, your family uh, came to the United States a little bit later than uh, many of the others, because the big wave of uh, immigration was around 1900. So your family left uh, when Czechoslovakia was already created. I would like to ask whether the contact with the Slovak family was uh, disrupted or it was ongoing all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's um, a story that really got me interested in it. So my grandfather was one of six boys. So there were six brothers and five came to the U.S. And so growing up, we would always heard, we had always heard about Uncle Mate who stayed behind. So I knew I had family over because that my parents and grandparents would write letters and send packages to them. And 
what we had heard is is that he you know had stayed behind didn't come with the rest of the family and then at some point he wasn't able to leave because of communism and so he he was there he had the family property and that's kind of the story. I always knew there was somebody there and there was family there because he was talked about a lot and they were mentioned. And like I said, there was gifts and there was always a remembrance of them. And let's think about our family and in Czechoslovakia. And so I was always fascinated by that when even when I was a little boy. Did you have to rediscover these connections or did you have a constant touch with this family in Slovakia? Luckily, there had been enough people in my family who had had constant touch. But as the five brothers, the first one died in the early 1970s, and then as they passed away, I would say the contact was reduced, but it wasn't completely lost. Luckily, one of my dad's cousins had kept in contact. He had kept in contact the most with them. And he gave me the address and the names of the people that were living on the property. And, you know, I figured out how they were related to me. In 2007, my wife and I were planning a trip to Europe. And I thought, well, let me try. Maybe we can go there. And I would love to see, you know, I'd grown up hearing about Sobotiste and I knew the place name. And I thought I'd want to go see it. And if I could, it would be great if I could stop by and see the house and then meet some people. So I sent, well, I wrote a letter. I had it translated into Slovak and I mailed it and I didn't know what to expect. And then about two weeks later, I got an email back in English saying, hi, I guess we're cousins. We got your letter and we're very excited for your visit on these days and we will pick you up at the train station. And so we went and we took the train and got off the train and there was uh, a couple of cars full of people there to pick us up. And for the next, for that weekend, we, we ended up staying with them. They offered us their house and it's on the property where my grandfather was born and lived the first 19 years of his life. And it was absolutely fantastic. And people were just so wonderful and the food and the drink and the music and the laughing and and it was just so remarkable and um, because of that made connections with a lot of people there and then have been back several times since including one trip where in 2017 went back with 10 other family members uh, which was really great to be able to keep sharing to make the circle bigger of who knows who and, and and experience all of it so it was it was absolutely fantastic i'm so glad that i took a chance and reached out and it's made connections that are some of the most important things in my life right now i'm really glad to hear this wonderful story because it's really bringing the joy and i hope that also our listeners will enjoy this your experience i will say when we first went over you know they said oh we uh and i i don't speak slovak so luckily there was two of my cousins there who could translate and there was kind of a oh we've heard stories about americans who show up and are interested in their you know family's property and i said well absolutely not but i couldn't tell if it was joking or not but they they had heard i i know they had heard stories i'm coming here just to see it and i will say the i did say uh, i had a picture of a house um, that my grandfather lived in and on the property I, I couldn't see it i mean it's not a very big property and you know and so i finally did ask i said where is i pulled out the photo and i said this is the house my grandfather i assume was born in and lived in and where is it and they they looked a little sad and because they had to say that they had torn it down but they showed me a picture of what it looked like right before they tore it down and it was you know it was ready to be torn down 
because it was in bad shape. And they had been living in it up until they tore it down. So they built a new house that we were in. And it made me realize that when our families left, we kind of just picture this, they left and things kind of stayed the same there. And I think what people have to realize is when they go over that, you know, family, people have changed and people have, have modernized and it's, it's not going to be all the the old people in Croy walking around. It, it's a modern, vibrant culture. And I said, you know, I'm so excited for you that you, they have this new house and which is, you know, much better than that many ever hundred year old house. And so, so I think people, you have to be careful. You don't want to go over there thinking it's going to be just like it was when you're whoever left a hundred years ago. And so you need to be ready for that change. But like I said, you should be excited that people have more opportunity now. It's great that the circle of the family can be reunited again and that we finally have the opportunity to learn about the cultures on the both sides of the Atlantic and and we can reconnect with the families that uh, are divided by the hundred years gap. Let's go back a little bit now again to your grandfather and maybe his journey to America. Do you know something how he got there and what were the early conditions that he had to experience when he started his new life in the United States? Yeah, one of the I think one of the reasons I like doing research like this is because I had assumed he had come over with his family. And the first thing I learned is he didn't. They so my great grandparents had come over at some point to Chicago, worked, went back, got the rest of the family and came back over. And like I said, he came over when he was 19, but the his parents and four of his brothers came over three years earlier. And so one of the things, uh, and I discovered this after he had passed away, uh, one of the things I would love to know is when he was 16 and his parents and brothers are going, what made him stay behind? And then three years later, what made him want to join them in the U.S.? Unfortunately, we're not going to have, I don't have any access to know what he was thinking there, but it just, because of that decision, you know, he could have stayed and... The guy could be Slovak and right. That's it. Just doing genealogy research makes you realize there there were hundreds of decisions made by people that affect who you are and what you do today and where you are. So I started researching his journey uh, when he was 19, and that's when I quickly realized he was by himself. And as far as I know, he didn't speak any other language besides Slovak at that point. And then he had to, uh, his his ship left from Cherbourg, France. And so going over to Slovakia, I just tried to imagine what it was like in 1929 to travel from a rural village to a port city in France uh, by yourself, not knowing the languages as you move along, getting on a ship and uh, took a couple of weeks and then arrived at Ellis Island, actually on Christmas Eve in 1929. So all of this I've pieced together from documents. None of this, this wasn't something, and I think this is probably pretty typical, this wasn't something my grandparents talked about. And if I probably had asked at the right time, I would have gotten you know, their firsthand information. So I encourage anybody who has somebody around who still has that information to make sure you, you ask them about it. And then from New York, took the train to Chicago where he met his family. And then he started working for railroad. So his, I realized my great-grandfather had the same job based on census information, what they answered. So they were car cleaners. And so they would clean out the uh, passenger cars 
in a station in Chicago. And I assume it was there. He started working pretty quickly after he came to the U.S. And so I imagine it was there where he started learning English and met my grandmother or remet her and started his life there. And so for most, for his career, he was, you know, manual labor, handyman, that kind of work. Do you still keep any Slovak traditions or rituals or do you speak the language or maybe at least make uh, any Slovak food, dishes or drinks? <laughs> do I, I would say I speak the language, uh, but the words I know uh, either are uh, curse words that I picked up from my grandparents that we weren't allowed to say. So I will say with language, my grandparents, you know, they were proud to become Americans and they felt that English was the language we should speak. And even when I had an interest in them, because between themselves, they would they would alternate between Slovak and English. And that's another one of the things I wish I would have pushed them more to learn it. And so I, that's when I go back to Slovakia, I just enjoy sitting there and listening to people speak because it reminds me of being in my grandparents' home. So uh, one of the other things is there was a lot of people in Chicago, Slovaks, who came from their near, from their area in Western Slovakia. And so there were, there was always people over. And so usually it was in Slovak. So the, Traditions and cultures that come out of that are the food. My grandmother was a wonderful cook, uh, as were her, you know, her friends. And so pork and dumplings and, and gravy and lots of things that I, I associate with Slovak food. And there was even some things I didn't even remember eating. And then when I went to Slovakia, my family had there, uh, had prepared. And I said, I haven't eaten this in 20 or 30 years. And so it was fantastic. The... Traditions are, so I mentioned my grandfather and his brothers. In When the first brother died in the early 1970s, it was actually the youngest brother. And when he passed away, the rest of the brothers decided to make sure they get together once a year. And so we started doing that. So the, the brothers and all of their children and grandchildren and eventually great-grandchildren, we get together once a year. And there, growing up, that was one of my favorite memories of the summer is because my grandfather would be with his brothers and there would be lots of food, including a lot of um, kolach and zazvorniki and rolichki and just, you know, wonderful desserts like that. My grandfather's brothers would sing songs in Slovak and we, we always, there was always lots of slivovits and there would always be a toast to the family and, you know, in Europe. And, and, and so that was just important. It was so important to them that it became important to me. Yeah, like I said, it's part of who I am because I grew up with it. And I'm just so glad that I've been able to make the connections I have. And so now, and it's also now part of my kids. Uh, I was fortunate enough to bring them over on one of our trips. And they got to meet the family there. And so it, it's really a great circle of people that we've been able to bring together. That's very nice to hear. Do you maybe have any special story or memory connected to your family heritage or to your grandparents or maybe parents? So one of the interesting things is that my, uh, so my maternal side, my mom's side is all Czech from Tabor and the neighborhood that my parents grew up in, right, was Czech and Slovak. And so one of the interesting things I think is that my family, it ends up that my, uh, some of my great grandparents, but all four of my grandparents are in the same cemetery in Chicago, which is Bohemian National Cemetery. So it's on the north side of Chicago and it is mainly Czech and Slovak 
it had been Czech and Slovak, people of Czech and Slovak ancestry that were there. And so going there uh, as a kid, we would go there for holidays on special days to clean up the graves and spend time. And that was one of my favorite things to do because we could drive around and we would bring food and sit around and there would be stories told, but I was fascinated to walk around the cemetery because the names were very much similar to my, you know, Czech and Slovak names. And then that was my first, well, I don't know if it was my first, but it was a definitely, it was a time that I saw words, not in English. So even as a little boy, I remember trying to figure out. So a lot of the headstones have Rodina on them, or they have the the months in Czech or Slovak, or they have little sayings. And so it made me realize that these people, when they died, that they their decision was to use their their native language and you know not their second language that they had learned. And so it was just really I enjoyed it. I don't know if a lot of people enjoy going to cemeteries, but I did because it was just something that my family did. And I still uh, stop by. And what's nice is I can visit all of my grandparents in one uh, one very short trip uh, through the cemetery. So that's one thing. And then I would say my memories are also impacted by a film that my father uh, made in 1964. So as I'm already mentioned, my grandfather's brother, Mate, did not come over and he was was not allowed to. And uh, eventually he was. So the five brothers in the U.S. Uh, ra- uh, put together money and bought him an airline ticket. And in 1964, he came and he spent a couple of months and he visited each brother. And my dad was like to film things right on, I, th- I think like 16 millimeter film. And so a couple several years ago, he had, uh, my father had digitized uh, the film he made. And so just to go through and see the brothers reunite for the first time after more than 30, I believe 35 years together was really neat. And then when I went to Slovakia, I brought a copy for them to see and at that point, uh, his daughter said that she remembers that day he left because the uh, there were some government officials that came to the house. They went through his luggage to make sure he wasn't bringing anything he wasn't supposed to, and he only had a certain amount of money. And then they told the family, so it was you know his kids and his wife that said if he does not return, if he decides to stay in the U.S., that they would there would be repercussions for them. And um, you know, she tells us she remembers everybody's crying and they said, please come back. And he said he will. And so just knowing both sides of that, the joy on this side and probably the, the terror they felt on that side, that kind of really you know, made me think about connecting with them. And I'm so glad that I was able to share that story. So I, I will add one more part about that story. And it's always it's something I use as a reminder to keep asking questions and don't always rely on family stories. So one of the points of that he, that Mate wasn't able to come to the U.S. is because he had fulfilled military service and communism and things like that. And so I told my family in Slovakia that, and they were like, hmm, he wasn't in the military. And I said, oh, I have a photo of him in a uniform. And I got the photo out and they all started laughing. And they said, no, he was, he worked for the village and that's just the civil service uniform that they had. And I know other people have told me they've shown people in uniform and it ends up to be like a, in a band or, or something. Um, but 
they said they think he didn't want to go when the rest of the family did is because he was afraid of the ocean voyage because the it was after the Titanic had sunk and that was pretty well known. And he was afraid that the ship would sink. And that's why he stayed is what they thought. And so that's why when he came over in 1964, he flew. So just interesting, you know, different people have different takes. And the truth is probably somewhere in between all of those versions of stories. And we'll never know, but it's good that we we have the records. And now I have the stories, which I shouldn't write down. And, and so it's great that they were able to connect. I will say his, I'll tell you one more part of that story. Mate's daughter, Bojena, it was the matriarch of the family. Unfortunately, she passed away last year but we were able to bring her over in 2000 and 2015 and so like the brothers did we you know we pulled together money our families and brought her over and so she came to america and she she shared that she had only left sobatiste for uh, once before for for anything more than a weekend because they're farmers and it's hard to leave the farm and so she absolutely, she spent a month here and I thought had a great time. And I'm so glad that we were able to share that with her. Well, one of my favorite memories was taking her in Chicago to, to the cemetery to see, you know, the, the graves there. And I will never forget, you know, she started crying at her, what, what is her grandparents' grave, which is my great-grandparents. And she said she was just sad that, our families had to be divided. And so whatever caused those divisions, uh, you know, economic, social, political, uh, combination of all of them, they, they did. They divided our family. And she never met them because they were in the U.S. and when she was born and then died when she was younger. And and he just realized that they're... Uh, there, there's still trauma out there from the divisions that were created by whomever. And so hopefully through these connections, we can kind of heal that and make a lot of connections that had um, had disappeared. I absolutely agree uh, with your nice words that it can heal or it can cure, you know, the, the traumas that were caused by, by the time and by this division. But it's uh, great that the story actually continues with you. And uh, I'm really lucky to know you as a member of CGSI and you are going to tell us in a moment what uh, stands behind this almost mysterious shortcut and uh, <laughs> I know you not only as a member of CGSI but also as the firework of the good energy, laugh and good mood because wherever you, you appear you are just sprinkling these uh, positive uh, vibrations and, and good mood to everyone and uh, maybe I can also tell that you are the president now of CGSI So please, if you can tell us a little bit more, what is it and how you got involved in all of this? Sure. Uh, so CGSI, yes, it, it is a, a mysterious uh, acronym. Uh, it's the Czechoslovak Genealogical Society International. And Czechoslovak, because the organization was founded when Czechoslovakia was still a, a country, and we haven't gotten around to changing the name yet. But this, uh, CGSI focuses on genealogy and family history of people from the Czech and Slovak lands. And so we would say that in case you're Rusin, or the area that was that comprised Czechoslovakia is what we focus on. And I started getting involved when I started doing this research for my grandfather, because there's lots of resources to help figure out documents and, you know, I, I, Slovak church records. I didn't know anything about them. And so just learning about them. 
became involved, I started volunteering. And uh, like a lot of organizations, you start volunteering, you start doing things, and there's always more work to do. And so I've been the president for the last couple of years. So we have several thousand members across the U.S. and other countries. And the goal is to help people make the connections like we have talked about, um, but also culture and history so people understand what, uh, you know, historical aspects contributed to immigration or, like I said, social, economic, political factors, all that. Well, we have topics on that, but the core is uh, genealogy, connecting people to their family history. And so we have a quarterly journal and that has lots of stories and and how-tos of things. And one of the benefits of membership is you have access to all 30 years of the journal online now. And so I would encourage anybody to go to cgsi.org to explore and what we have. And one of the things we do every two years is a conference. And so uh, this is where I know Mikhail from. Uh, We've spent two conferences together in uh, Pittsburgh and Lincoln, Nebraska. And typically, those are a time we have 400 or so people uh, at our in-person conferences and lots of presentations and sharing of stories and family histories and all that. Uh, we're not able to do that this year. just was going to be too much planning it with all of the uh, variables. And so we're going to have a virtual conference this year. And so we will have this, the same con- a lot of the same content, a lot of presentations online. But we'll also be doing some networking and some special events. We'll have a polka show. We have some Czech and Slovak themed movies that people will have access to. So lots of good things. And so I encourage people to check it out because it'll be a unique experience. But I think one that there's been a lot of hard work on it. And I think it will be able to pull it off. One of the benefits of doing a virtual event is that what we're able to do is we're going to record everything. And then one of the levels for registration entitles you to have access to all the recordings for up to six months. So what we hear about the in-person conferences is it's great. It's just so much over three or four days. Uh, This way you'll have months to kind of go through everything and, and listen to everybody. And so, yeah, please check it out. And then happy just go to cgsi.org and check it out and find my information there and send us a a question if you have it but what we're trying to do is help people connect Uh, we get people all the time who are just starting their journey so we have a lot of people like myself who are you know who have made those connections we get people who say i found a book and it has the name of a village and who are just starting to make that connection and so that's one of the things i really enjoy is okay you, if you decide to put the time and energy into it, you will get a lot out of it potentially. And so just happy to help people along that journey. I can just only confirm your words and it's hard to add anything else to it. Maybe one thing that our journal is called Nasha Rodina, which is our family in English. And that's really true because once you join CGSI, you definitely feel like in our family, like in Nasha Rodina. And you can meet there many enthusiastic people, and dedicated people who are uh, willing to dedicate their free time and just help to other to learn more about our heritage. So I'm really happy to be the part of this circle. And uh, I would like to thank you for joining our today's conversation, Kevin. It's a, It was a big pleasure for me. Well, thank you, Michal, and I'm glad you're part of my circle. <laughs> so the only thing I regret is that we are not going to meet this year in person. At least the virtual space will do its work. But then I do hope that uh, next, your next visit in Slovakia or my in USA, we are going to meet and, and see each other in person. 
I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you very much again, and stay healthy and take care. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. That was all for today, and I am looking forward to you next week. You were listening to Slovakians Street podcast with Michal Rasus, created with the support of Podcast Industry. You can find us at Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. If you have an interesting family story and you would like to share it, feel free to contact me via email in the description.